Chapter Thirty Four of Gold by Stuart Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prisoners. I had no great difficulty in persuading the immigrants to rest over. To tell you the truth, the narrator confided to me, I don't know where we're going. We have no money. We've got to get work somehow. I don't know now why we came. His name, he told me, was George Woodruff. He had been a lawyer in a small Pennsylvania town. His total possessions were now represented by the remains of his ox team, his wagon, and the blankets in which he slept. The other man was his brother Albert, and the woman his sister-in-law. We started with four wagons and a fine fit out of supplies, he told me, food enough to last two years. This is what we have left. The cattle aren't in bad shape now, though, and they are extra fine stock. Perhaps I can sell them for a little. Two days passed. We arose the morning of the third to find that the oxen had strayed away during the night. Deciding that they could not have wandered far, I went to my gold washing as usual, leaving Woodruff and his brother to hunt them up. About ten o'clock they came to my claim, very much troubled. We can't find them anywhere, they told me, and it doesn't seem natural that they should stray far. They are too tired. I knocked off work and returned with them to the flat where we proceeded to look for tracks. The earth was too hard and trampled to show us much, and after a half hour of fruitless examination, we returned to camp with the intention of eating something before starting out on a serious search. While thus engaged, the express messengers rode up. Hello, said Johnny cheerfully. Glad to hear you made such a good thing out of your cattle. He caught our stare of surprise, swung from his horse, and advanced on us with three swift strides. You haven't sold them, he exclaimed. We've been looking for them all the morning. Stolen, boys, he cried to his companions. Here's our job. Come on. He leaped on his horse in the headlong graceful fashion the boys had cultivated at the relay station, and, followed by Cal and Old, dashed away. We made nothing definite of this, though we had our surmises to exchange. As the boys had not returned an hour later, I resumed my diggings, while the Woodruffs went over to visit with Yank, who was now out of bed. Evening came, with no sign of our friends. We turned in at last. Sometime after midnight we were awakened by the shuffling and lowing of driven cattle, and went out into the moonlight to see our six oxen, just released from herding, plunging their noses thirstily into the little stream from the spring. Five figures on horseback sat motionless in the background behind them. When the cattle had finished drinking, the horsemen, riding in two couples and one single, turned them into the flat and then came over to our camp. After they had approached within plain sight, we saw that the single horseman was Cal Marsh, and that Johnny and Old each led an animal on which a man was tied, his arms behind him, his feet shackled beneath the horse's barrel. Here, you fellas, said Johnny in a low voice, just catch hold here and help with these birds. The three descended rather wearily from their horses, the lead lines of which Cal held, while the rest unshackled the prisoners and helped them to dismount. 
They were both known to me, one as the big desperado Malone, and the other as the barkeeper at Morton's place, our old friend of Chagra days. The latter's head was roughly bound with a bloody cloth. Under Johnny's direction, we tied them firmly. He issued his orders in a low-voiced, curt fashion that precluded anything but the most instant and silent obedience. There, he said at last, they'll do. Chuck them inside, where they'll be out of sight. Now about those two horses. I'll just run them up to Dutchman's Flats and stake them out there, interposed Old. There ain't no one there, and they won't be discovered. Well, conceded Johnny, if your horse isn't too tired. She'll make it, replied Old confidently. Now for our horses, said Johnny. Won't do to be getting in at this time of night. It doesn't look natural. Don't believe we can get them to the stable without being spotted. Maybe you'd better stake them up there, too. Can you walk back? I reckon, said Old. He tied the four led horses together, mounted, took the lead rope from Cal, and rode off up the gulch. Cal came to the fire and sat down. I was instantly struck by his ghastly appearance. Cal's bored through the shoulder, Johnny explained. Now, Jim, you've got to go up and get Dr. Rankin. He lives at Barnes's hotel, you know. Barnes is all right. Bring him down, too, if you happen to wake him up. Go round to Danny Randall's quietly and tell him we want to see him. He sleeps in that little back room. Throw some pebbles against the stovepipe. That'll wake him up. Look out he doesn't pop you. Don't let anybody see you if you can possibly help. And tell the others to slip out here quietly, too. Do you understand all that? I see what I'm to do, I assented. But let me in. What is it all about? We met these men and three others driving Woodruff's oxen this morning, said Johnny rapidly, stopped, and had quite a chat with them. They told what sounded like a straight story of having bought the oxen. I knew Woodruff wanted to sell. Didn't suppose they'd have the nerve to lift them right under our noses. Guess they hadn't an idea they'd meet us on the road. We were taking the lower trail, just for a change. So as soon as we got the news from you, we went back, of course. They suspected trouble and had turned off. Old and Cal are wonders at trailing. Came up with them just beyond bitter water and monkeyed around quite a while before we got a favorable chance to tackle them. Then we took the cattle away and brought back these birds. That's all there was to it. You said five. Where are the other three? Killed him, said Johnny briefly. Now run along and do your job. After some delay and difficulty, I fulfilled my instructions, returning at last in company with Danny Randall to find my friend sitting around the little fire and Dr. Rankin engaged in bathing Cal's wound. Johnny was repeating his story, to which the others were listening attentively. I learned a little more of this sort of thing in Sacramento, he was concluding, and I'd like to state this right here and now. Practical jokes on these immigrants are poor taste, as far as I'm concerned, from now on. That's my own private declaration of war. Let's take a look at your birds, Johnny, suggested Randall. I brought out the prisoners and stacked them up against the trees. They gave us back look for look defiantly. 
"'You won't live a week after this,' said the Morton man, whose name was Carhart, addressing Johnny. "'I'll just have a look at your head, my friend,' said Dr. Rankin. The man bent his head, and the doctor began to remove the bloody bandages. "'Question is,' said Johnny, "'what do we do with them?' Danny was thinking hard. "'One of two things,' he said at length. "'We can string them up quietly and leave them as a warning, or we can force matters to a showdown by calling a public meeting. "'Question is,' said I, "'whether we can get anybody with nerve enough to serve as officers of court, or indeed to testify as witnesses.' "'You said a true word there,' put in Carhart with an oath. "'I'll bear witness for one,' offered Dr. Rankin, looking up from his work and on a good many things. "'Look out, damn you,' muttered Carhart. I've been called to a good many cases of gunshot wounds, continued the doctor steadily, and I've kept quiet because I was given to understand that my life was worth nothing if I spoke. You'd better keep your mouth shut, warned the bandit. Now, pursued the doctor, I personally believe the time has come to assert ourselves. I'm in favor of serving notice on the whole lot and cleaning up the mess once and for all. I believe there are more decent men than criminals in this camp if you get them together. That's my idea, agreed Johnny heartily. Get the camp together. I'll see every man in it and let Woodruff tell his tale and then let old or me tell ours. And I'll tell mine, said Dr. Rankin. Danny Randall shook his head. They'll rise to it like men, cried Johnny indignantly. Nobody but a murderer and cattle thief listening to that story could remain unmoved. Well, said Danny, if you won't just quietly hang these fellows right now, try the other. I should string them up and shut their mouths. You're too early. It won't do. End of chapter 34